Hey, have you ever been on the job hunt? We are Jobs Across America, connecting you to thousands of jobs you can apply for today. Listen in for new job opportunities and gain practical strategies on how to obtain them. Can you say, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if woodchuck could chuck wood? Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Oh, I can never say that. Red, red leather, leather, yellow leather, leather, red leather, yellow leather, red leather. Can you say that? We were almost <laughs> harmonizing. That was really good. We can do a boy band. All right, you go high, I'll go low. Red leather, red yellow, leather, yellow, red leather, yellow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. This is another episode of Jobs Across America. This is Jean-Paul Renard without my amazing co-host, Brianna Strobel. But no worries, Brianna is healthy and rocking it. As a matter of fact, she is directing this episode. But I do have an amazing guest here. I'd like to introduce my beautiful audience to, to Alan Siegel, attorney at law in South Florida. Brilliant, handsome, incredible and deals with all the vicissitudes of life. Welcome to, <laughs> to the podcast, Alan. I am so glad that you can make some time for us. Why don't you tell a little bit uh, about, you know, to our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do. Sure. I am a partner at a South Florida personal injury law firm, and we've been in practice for, as a firm, for about two years now. Uh, I've been practicing for about eight years in South Florida specifically, and uh, just really happy to be here. Nice, nice. So what kind of uh, what kind of law do you guys practice? It's primarily it's all personal injury, so it's auto negligence, uh, premises liability, medical malpractice, wrongful death, uh, you know, catastrophic injuries. Oh, sounds like fun. It's <laughs> it can be sad. It can be sad. <laughs> As especially when you ended it with catastrophic injuries. <laughs> Yeah, I would say that's a little sad, catastrophic injuries. It has its moments. It has. It's rewarding. It can also be very, uh, very trying. Yeah. So I would imagine um, overall years of you practicing law out of law school has been how many years now? Um, I'd say it's been about, I believe it's about seven years. Seven years? Cool. So in those seven years, I'd imagine you have some some great stories about your experiences of employing people and your experiences of, of getting after potentially uh, new opportunities for yourself. Because this podcast today, we're going to start a new series called Storytime. And it's basically this uh, opportunity to bring in guests and to talk about their experiences on jobs that they have applied for and potentially on people that have applied for jobs with them and about the lessons learned in those experiences. So I would imagine coming out of law school, finding work, because, you know, there's only like two or three lawyers out there, right? There's not a lot of <laughs> lawyers that come out of law school, right? There's uh, a saturated market. <laughs> right. What was it like trying to get a job right out of law school? Was it difficult? Um, was it easy? Did they, um, what was that process? It, it was difficult. And, you know, I, I was not by any means the top of my class. I didn't, you know, go to an Ivy League school. So I came out pretty much at the bottom of the totem pole. And my first job out of law school, I after completing the curriculum, having not taken the bar yet, was as a paralegal. So having gone through three years of law school, being employed as a paralegal, which doesn't require a law degree, and then having taken and successfully completed the bar in Florida, 
I was still employed until I was cleared to practice, um, which the Florida Bar has a, has a, a structure where Despite passing the bar, you have to go through a character and fitness qualification before they allow you to practice. I was still a paralegal. So having gone through law school, having taken and successfully passed the Florida bar, having gone through what I believed all the steps were necessary, I was still a paralegal, getting paid a paralegal salary, you know, working in a cubicle. It wasn't, you know, sexy or, or, or glorified in a way that I thought it would be. And even after being cleared to practice law, it's still at the bottom. And it was very much a make-your-own-place amongst uh, the community. It wasn't any uh, silver plate uh, approach. It wasn't, you know, nothing was handed. It was the, the expectation. It was a reality check. They didn't come chasing you right after graduation to say, hey, here's the red carpet. Here's I a great job. Nobody would take a resume. It okay. was a, a, you know, it wasn't by any means... Uh, an easy approach to employment. Okay, got it. So when you when you graduated and you started, when you went, finalized that process of going through, what did you call it? The ethics and what? It was a character and fitness. Character and fitness. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if I would even qualify. <laughs> you would. You have amazing character. <laughs> okay. And you're clearly quite fit. <laughs> How long did it take between the time that you went through that character and fitness type of environment when you completed that mm -hmm. to the time that you've landed your first gig as an attorney? It took me about a year, um, so about a year and three months. Okay. Wow. Wow. That's a, that's a lot of time. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So, so during that year and, and three months, did you apply for a lot of different positions? Um, I, you know, I had a really interesting opportunity that, that I kind of worked my way into. Okay. And that opportunity came from an undergrad relationship that I had with a, he was a fraternity brother of mine who went to law school and he had his own practice. And after I graduated law school, in the midst of trying to apply to different jobs and continually getting rejected or no, no response given, I reached out to him for some guidance. And he was like, well, listen, why don't you come to my office, intern for a little bit while you're figuring everything out. So I showed up, and as I began the internship, I noticed that he had an assistant and, who was doing paralegal work. Mm -hmm. And I convinced him to, it troubles me to say this, but I convinced him to let that person go and hire me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, Great job. It's, I know. I, I feel horrible about it. Of course you do. <laughs> but it was, it was a sink or swim environment. And, right. you know, I, I had to make a decision, you know, for me and my family at the time. And I, I kind of convinced him to let that person go and hire me in that role. And it just kind of blossomed into ultimately getting uh, into a, an attorney position with him. Could you give us, uh, you know, the, the, the spirit of, of story time is to share an experience that you had either with somebody who applied, you know, for work with you and kind of a lessons learned, um, what they did right or wrong, or, or an experience that you had when you were applying for work. Okay, sure. I, um, I can tell you that from an employer's perspective, I'm very new to the employer side of the table. With the current, you know, economic climate and the socioeconomic world that we're kind of living in now, I can say that throughout all my, all the jobs that I've ever applied for, the one 
consistent factor amongst them was tenacity. And I know right now with the way things are, people being laid off, everyone losing, you know, their their place, their comfort, you know, it's a time where you have to be as tenacious as you can be. And resilience is gonna is how we'll persevere. And before I started this practice with my partner, the job that I applied for was completely out of my wheelhouse. I had always known, I'd always been fascinated with personal injury and the medicine behind it. And I always knew I wanted to get into personal injury. But my previous, when I first started practicing, I was doing criminal defense. So there's no um, nexus between criminal defense and personal injury. There's not enough... What, know, what does nexus mean? Isn't that like a, a hair product? It is. It and is. it makes... Listen, this, <laughs> go ahead. That's right. it, what I mean by that is, is you don't have... There's no parallel between the two where you can start to cross pollinate oh, between it. the okay. areas. So, you know, criminal is criminal, personal injury is civil. So they're completely two different sides of the road. Okay. So I, I found an opening at a law firm in West Palm Beach, okay. a very prominent personal injury law firm. Okay. And I had submitted my resume and it got rejected. And I had submitted it again, it gets rejected, and I called the HR director and I left a voicemail, no response, called again, left a, a voicemail, no response. And I kind of knew it was probably because my resume didn't look, it, it wasn't heavy on personal injury. And this is a firm that hires people with that background. So I reached out to a staffing agency. And coincidentally, that staffing agency was also recruiting. They were utilize, being utilized by that firm to recruit for that position. And that was the only person that I could you know, connect with to get through to the HR, the hiring director for that firm. And I remember sending her my resume. She rejected it as well. She's like, this isn't what they're looking for. And it kind of just, you know, validified what I was thinking about why they rejected my resume. And I was like, so I tell her, and I was like, just get me five minutes with somebody there. Just get me an interview. Five minutes. All I need is a crack in the window. I'll open it myself. She's like, they don't want to meet you because you don't have the qualifications. I was like, give me five minutes. I don't need any more. Just let me sit down with them. I will get them to see that I have the resolve to figure this out. So she said no, and I kept following up with her for about a week. Every day I called her till finally she was so annoyed <laughs> by me that she was like, listen. You annoyed someone? Never. <laughs> she was like, listen, I called the, the hiring director for this firm, and I said, this person doesn't have the background, mm -hmm. but they are a persistent person. They will knock on your door every day until you open up. And she was like, just give him five minutes. I don't think that it's he's the candidate you're looking for, but the qualities that he possesses are what will benefit wow. you. That's pretty brilliant. Okay. So they agreed five minutes in their Fort Lauderdale office. I would say I sit down with them and within 10 minutes they concluded the interview. So they gave you double gave the me, amount of time? They gave me 10 minutes. Wow, that's pretty good. And they concluded okay. the interview mm -hmm. and I left and about 30 minutes later I got a call saying that they wanted to hire me. Wow. wow. So it wasn't so... Did they, give you, uh, did they give you kind of an indication like during no. that interview process? Like they, were they poker faced or did you get a feel like it was going well? Very stoic, very, you know very bland, very vanilla, no impressions. I couldn't read the room. I couldn't read body language. I had no idea where it was going right. and what they were thinking. Right. I just knew that I, I went in there and I did what I told the, the, um, the staffing uh, rep what I was going to do. Right. And I left and I said, I gave it what I could. Okay. I, I knew and I really highlighted the fact with the employer at the time that 
you can't teach hungry. You can't teach tenacity. You can't teach certain right. attributes that make somebody successful, in my opinion. Everything else you can learn. Yeah. All aspects of a job, no matter what you're doing, you can learn. Yeah. Um, but you cannot teach perserverance. And I and then I think that really is like that, that resonated with them. How did the um, how did the job go? Were you able to figure it out? Um, it, it was tough. It was I'll tough. be honest. It, yeah. You know, it was a lot of you know the learning curve, which is it was, was huge, bigger it, than what you thought. Much bigger than I thought. Okay. And and I actually worked in their West Palm office for at that time a managing partner, who was a very old school mentality of sink or swim. There, you know, I'm hiring you to do a specific job. If you cannot do that job, you are no longer useful to me. Therefore, you're fired. I got you. I got so you. I had to do a lot of, of BSing. Right. You know, you have to, yeah. you know, really yeah. kind of just act as if and pretend that you right. you are that person that they're looking for and you understand that role well enough during the day. And at night, I would study material. I would just read, watch videos on YouTube, read any, you know, material I could, content that I could find on the topic, and just try to immerse myself in in lean on other people yeah. in the community that I had some relationship with yeah. and try to just absorb as much as I could so that way come 8.30 the next day, I could at least look the part. Yeah. I could act the part well yeah. enough to where at some point, you know, the curve starts to to kind of flatten Yeah, and you, you kind of become that person that you had been representing that you were right? and then you surpass that and then you become more proficient in that role and you actually start to understand it better and become stronger, faster, more efficient. Right. Because it sounds like the experience that you didn't have, as long as you were willing to put in the work when they gave you the opportunity, the extra mm -hmm. work necessary to really get better at it, that type of tenacity also plays a role in you being successful. Yeah. Right. And, and, I, and I will say this. I think the one thing that I, I, I believe helped me kind of stay in that role is when I look back at myself versus other people in, in the light position, I always looked busy. I always looked like, <laughs> like I was doing something, going somewhere. I can't talk. I can't stop. Right. Even if I had nothing that was going on, <laughs> even if I was just walking around the office, right. I would like... You'd walk I, fast. I'd walk fast. <laughs> walk with purpose. Right. That's and, right. Look and busy and looking, you are... Right. People are going to assume you're busy. Yeah. And if they right. think you're busy, they'll leave you alone. Yeah. And especially... My, my boss at the time, you know, he would scrutinize other people for not being what he thought was busy. Get busy like Alan. It's yeah, funny, but it's true. It. And, yeah. and I would be least on his radar because in his mind, he must be doing something. Okay. That, you know, I don't have to worry about Alan because he's always, I always see him on the phone or he's walking around. He's always caring. Like just, there was a perception and the perception was more real than the reality. I got it. So so the lesson learned for you in that experience is that tenacity can play a big role in opportunity. I think that's the primary ingredient. Right. Um, right. I, I think if you have that, right. everything else kind of molds around it. Yeah. Because you can you can take any area of law or you can take any area of whatever you're you're seeking to do as far as employment and you can learn about that job you can learn about that role you can learn about that position but you can't 
you can't install that that vigor in somebody. Right. That, no, I get that it. Zealousness that, that I get it. It reminds me, you know, that um, sometimes we hire based on just experience, and not necessarily based on the character of the individual. And um, especially when you're an entry level type of position, it's like you're brand new into the workforce the way that you were. Um, it's so critical in my eyes to hire the person before the experience um, because they can always learn if they're tenacious and hardworking they can always learn for sure I mean I've had some experiences from when I was very young on jobs that I probably should have never been given <laughs> just based upon just convincing someone like the way that you did um, and being tenacious and some of them were resulted in something you know very uh, positive and then some of them were like kind of lessons learned that I go okay I can be tenacious and convincing but boy oh boy do I have to put in the work as well so you did the I'm going to convince you I'm going to be tenacious uh, but I'm also going to put in the work in order to 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 excel at what I promised yeah right? yeah. yeah so I promised you I would be this person that would figure this out, right? Um, yeah. And I think that's important. And you, I mean, you've hired, I mean, probably hundreds, if not thousands of people over the yeah. course of your career. Sure. And, and how many times have you, in your experience, seen you hire somebody based off of their credentials, but the fit's not right, the person's not right? Right. And how long or how short do they last? And are you finding that sometimes you're willing to concede on, a, on somebody's resume and teach them a little bit. What, what do you find is, is a better recipe? Yeah, so if I have two candidates, let's, let's like compare. If I have two candidates and I have, you know, one that has an enormous amount of experience and really can probably hit the ground running, it's certainly one that I'm going to explore very carefully. But if it's competing against a candidate that has less experience but shows some qualities that I'm looking for, like tenacity, hardworking and potentially a better a better fit right of what I think is a better fit um, I'm going to go, always go with the candidate that I feel has the better character now that could be a little arbitrary right because you know it's you know how do you judge character right yeah. and I'm always in a position you know I was I was just having a conversation with my two older kids that when you're the leader of something and you've been a leader of things most of your life, people lie to you all the time. Like that's that's just what it is. The nature of, of being a leader of something yeah. is the people in front of you are constantly lying to you. And so you learn to decode. You know, you it becomes a skill to try to decode what's fact and what's fiction, right? Because you hear so much in all those experiences. So trying to judge those characters that are coming in is always challenging for sure because people yeah. are always going to give you their representative they're not necessarily right yeah. you know and decoding that but i the th the signs that i look for as a hiring manager is the follow up what was the follow up like after the interview so i had these two candidates one's very experienced one's less experienced the one with less experience seems to be more eager more tenacious hungrier to your point um okay so that i look at that and i go okay that's the feeling i got but they left now and you know feelings could be uh, very deceiving but now what is their follow-up like that tells me a lot what are their references tell me that tells me a lot and the fact that your follow-up was so strong to that hiring manager like you kept following up every day i think was 
was paramount to them, right? It yeah. gave you that opportunity, you know, to um, have a, the sit down, the five that five minutes that became ten minutes. I think mine was on the extreme side. I think looking <laughs> back, maybe I was a little bit too over the top. It just happened to work in my favor. Yeah. But I I, I agree, and as a, as a new employer, that follow up and that cohesive blend of people. It's it's so instrumental, and I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that I'm learning. Well, I learned something, you know, in very early on, and something you touched upon is that tenacity in the beginning, and being able to convince somebody and promise them that you can do something, will not translate well if you're not willing to put in the work. And I can remember um, this was seven thousand years ago, and I was seventeen, eighteen <laughs> years old. I had a I had a job where I was I was uh, I went for an interview to be the mailroom manager of this company um, and they were looking for somebody to cover from like May through September for a leave. So it's kind of a temp job. And so I go in for the interview and they're really kind people and it was for a big airline. You know, I'll, I'll keep them nameless right now. <laughs> <laughs> and and, um, and it, was, it was in New York City and it was like perfect, you know. So they were like, what kind of experience do you have? You seem like really young and you know, kind of, oh, you know, I... You know, I've done this mailroom stuff and temp job here, temp job there. And they were like, well, um, you, you seem like you would, you know, you have the ten- like the energy and the tenacity for it, right? And I think they gave me kind of that impression. And I kept thinking, like, how difficult could this be? Like, you know, I mean, it's lick a stamp, put it on the thing. <laughs> Back then, you used to have to lick the stamp. I just, I just aged myself, right? Um, and then, you know, you send stuff out. So... I got the job and they were like, great, when can you start? And then boom, I was working and, you know, and, and now I was running an, an entire mailroom group of a, like a major airline in New York and with employees. And I was like 17, you know, and I guess they gave me the job because they believed me. Right. I told them I could do it. Right. And boy, I was a complete disaster. Like, I screwed everything up. It was incredible. Like, stuff was being mailed out to, like, God knows where. I didn't really kind of understand the postage meters well. And the people around me started kind of picking up, like, boy, oh, boy, this dude doesn't know what he's doing at all. And so one of the employees um, took it upon themselves to kind of like, okay, I see you don't know what you're doing. Like, I'll help you out. But it was a complete disaster, not because... I didn't know the job, but more so, I didn't really, I really wasn't willing to put in the work mm-hmm. during and learning the job properly, you know? So I, I was getting away with just being like a great character and a person that they liked rather than the fact that I can execute the work, you know, and get it done. But I mean, look, just having that character opened up another window for you to have somebody come in and kind of say, listen, I, I, I see that you're, you're maybe not, <laughs> you're not as, That's a positive spin. as, yes. as you yes. had represented, but yeah. hey, let me help you out. And you'll find that, you know, th- that person that helped you out kind of kept you, did you keep the job for the whole time? I did. I did. I did for the whole time until the person that was on leave came and they threw me a party. <laughs> I swear, they threw me a party. <laughs> At the end, I came so to work. Sad, I know. I, I came to work, and they had all these balloons and a cake. And I was like, I felt so guilty. <laughs> I was like, I am not deserving of this at all. I was so bad. That's funny. Yeah, they threw a party. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I, I learned a valuable lesson there that you know that um, you can convince people that hey, I can do this, right? 
But now it's upon you. If they believe you, it's upon you now to really put in the time to figure it out if you, in fact, not quite have the skills that you potentially portrayed to have. It's so as true. long as you're willing to do the work and get it done, it's very forgivable because people love that character. Yeah. Yeah. And, and something that I think, you know, I've heard you say before, and it's, it's so true, in situations I feel that are comparable to where you're representing that you're one person when in fact you're not quite there. Right. You're, you're there, but you're not right. quite there. Right. Is taking it one step at a time and chipping away little by little. And you'll see as you slowly start to chip away at, at the tasks that you'll look back after, you know, two, three months or several weeks and you, you've come so far, you're not looking at the forest, you're looking at the trees and just focus on right. learning a little piece at a time and then take the collective and you'll kind of just become that role, become that person. So just my experience in the whole thing. Yeah, no, that's, that's excellent. So, so to summarize, to summarize our, our first story time podcast, be relentless in your approach. Relentless, yeah. Right? But if you convince someone that you can, in fact, excel at this job and do this job well, put in the time that's necessary in order for you to, in fact, live up yeah. to the promise. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. you know, it's, it, it, that's only one prong, right, is, is getting the job and then you have to do the job. So right. if you're not willing to, be, to put in the work and put in the time, you can't expect that that employer is going to be as forgiving if they don't see that you're putting in that yeah. effort. And, you know, most employers are, are smarter than, than yeah. you as the employee, and they know they yeah. can see, all right, they know what they're looking at, they know what they're looking for, and they, nine times out of ten, will know that you're not that person. But if they see that dedication, they'll accept that yeah. that lack of, of experience and let you kind of find that rhythm. I love the approach you took, though, because your approach was very honest. So your approach was, yes, I don't have this experience, but I am tenacious, and yeah. I am hardworking, and you want to hire me because of those attributes and not because I lacked the experience. Mine was a little deceitful. I told him I worked <laughs> in mailrooms before, and I, but, and I had not. But here's the thing, it worked for that hiring manager and that partner at a different office. So right. you know, when I was at that office and I was honest with them, they then take me and transplant me to another office where that managing partner had no clue who I was and thought that I was being hired because of my experience. Oh boy. So, it, so it, it's like I was honest to the people that got me the job and then I had to kind of become that person with the other partner who had no idea who I was. Had right. didn't interview me. I had the only interaction I had with that person was day one when I showed up with a little box of my belongings saying, where do I right, work? Right. So, you know, it, it kind of is a blend, uh, uh, I think, of the two. But, yeah. But, I mean, look, you became that person, and you have the character that people want to help. So if you have that personality, you'll find that your surroundings are going to become, like, parental, and they're going to want to help guide you, and, and they, they want you to succeed. Yeah, thank God for that lady. <laughs> thank God for, because that airline would have been devastated. Like, nobody is getting their mail, ever. <laughs> Everything was good until JP showed up, and now all of a sudden we have a new manager. Totally. That job actually got me the job. That experience got me the job um, later when I was in my first year of college. I worked for MTV. And I was the mailroom person running the executive floor for mailroom. And I, it was the greatest job ever. And it but you knew at that point, you knew how to 
totally. You have sort like nobody's business. <laughs> totally. You could manage that room. Totally. You do every aspect. I do every, every aspect of it for sure. For sure. All right. So tenacity, relentlessness, um, and honesty. Right. Because if you're honest about your lack of experience, but you're showing these attributes of tenacity, uh, if you're showing a relentless approach and your follow up like mm-hmm. yours is very, very strong, I think employers are going to view that as favorable and they're going to potentially provide you an opportunity. Yeah. What I don't recommend is you being dishonest. All right. So. We are way out of time. My director is about to this throw is fun. something. You're having a good time? <laughs> this is good. I got another story, but I'm going to have to save that one for the, probably the next story time show. So, so Alan, um, Demand the Limits uh, is your law firm. Tell me, uh, how do we get in touch with you? And uh, how, if somebody is having uh, a personal injury issue and they're looking for a great attorney, obviously we're, we think you guys would be amazing. Tell us how that would be a, reach you. That thank you so much for the kind word. Uh, yeah, you can reach us by calling us at 561-600-3555. You can also visit us on the web at www.demandthelimits.com. And the firm name is Demand the Limits Personal Injury Attorneys. Please give us a call and we'd be happy to help you. Should they ask directly for you? Should they say, hey, I would like to talk to Alan Siegel. I demand... That I talk to you Alan can Siegel. demand to speak to either myself, Alan Siegel, or my partner, Andrew Odza. Got it. All right. Wonderful. Uh, demand the Limits is the place to go. They are an incredible firm um, and would represent you well. Thank you very much, Alan. Thank you. So this has been another episode of Jobs Across America. My name is Jean-Paul Renard, representing Brianna Strobel as well today, and my amazing, beautiful guest, Alan Siegel, thank you so much for joining us today, and we'll look forward to speaking with you in the next podcast.